This is episode 34 of the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast with Elizabeth Ferguson. Yeah, I feel like you really have to read the person well. So I actually feel like I take a lot of my therapy skills into my advocacy skills because depending on who you're talking to they need to hear something different right um so maybe they need to hear that it's there there is a way to pay for it or if they and if they don't hear that up front then they're not going to really listen right um or you know how can we solve some problems or get to goals quicker they they want to hear the 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 benefits of signing up with us right away, um, not necessarily the how does it work, right? You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Today is my conversation with Elizabeth Ferguson, who is the founder of Granite State Music Therapy. We talk all about her experience with growing her business, um, balancing, having contractors, as well as her personal experience with maternity leave and balancing her family life with her three children with owning a business, having contractors, and growing Granite State Music Therapy to reach the more underserved regions of New Hampshire. If you're enjoying this episode, please let us know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews really help this show be more visible so more people who are looking for this kind of content can find it. More recently, it appears that some non-music therapists are listening to the show and gaining some insight from it. And I learned that uh, in our Facebook group where someone commented uh, introducing themselves. So if you're not part of our Facebook group, please check it out. We're Music Therapy Chronicles and you can click the join group button and let us know what you're learning from the episodes. Introduce yourself, start a conversation or ask a question that you may have wish was answered in an episode and see what advice you get from the other group members. Also, if you want to ask guest questions, you can do so by becoming a patron over on patreon.com and that link will be in the show notes as always. So without further ado, let's get into this episode with Elizabeth. Hello, Elizabeth. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Trisha. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing well. It's a nice, uh, cool, rainy day here, and it's perfect for podcast recording. Oh, good. <laughs> I agree. It's rather gross. Mm-hmm. 
So to start us off, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself outside of music therapy? Sure. So I um, went to school in Pennsylvania, but I always knew I wanted to come back to New Hampshire. I love New Hampshire. I'm a big hiker. Um, so my family and I hike often. We just hiked in a snowstorm a few days ago, actually. Um, I have three amazing kids. Sophia is six, Sawyer is four, and Sadie is two. And I have a husband who's awesome and a puppy who, or not a puppy, a very old dog who's sleepy and two very funny ducks. Ducks? Yes. Really? What's yeah. it like having ducks? Um, I love them. We all love them. They, like, even yesterday, they went to the bus stop with us to get um, our oldest off the bus, and they're just so funny. They follow you around the yard. Um, it's It gets you outside every day at least three times a day, so that's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That must be really interesting in the winter. It's very tedious. So, um we have to empty the pool at night because they need a lot of water. They, they just love it to play in. Um, and so we have to empty their little pool at night so because it, it will freeze over and then fill it with buckets because you can't have a hose in the winter because that's dangerous to connect to the house. So um, it's like bucket after bucket every morning. <laughs> yeah. But they, they don't mind. They have no um, nerve endings in their feet, so they don't. They just walk around in the snow like it's nothing. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What a fun fact. So yeah. I'm curious. You said you're into hiking, and I am also in New Hampshire and love hiking. So what are some of your favorite spots? Oh, gosh. So it, I guess with the kids, Mount Willard. Um, but without the kids, the Bonds, um, I think, were definitely my favorite um, as far as hiking and views. Um, we were just shy, uh, I think three mountains shy of joining the 4,000 footer club. And then we had kids. And so it's been like seven years that we have just three left. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But it'll be cool when their little legs are long enough to be able yeah. to do that with them. We're at a stage where our youngest is a little too big to do longer hikes on in the backpack. Um, but she's also too little to hike at all on her own. So we're at a, a different stage right now as far as longer hikes. Um, the other two can, can do it for the most part right now. Yeah, that's awesome. What, yeah. a, what a fun experience. I, for a little while, I was a camp counselor at the Massabesic Audubon Center. Uh, uh, for anyone who's not in New Hampshire, it's, it's nature camp. And I was the counselor uh, who would go on field trips every day. So every day wow. I was taken uh, a 15 passenger van with my co-counselor and um, we would do hikes and we would go to conservation land and we would go to museums and it was awesome to see them interact with nature. So yeah, that's great that you're giving that experience to your kids too. Oh yeah. Learn a lot from being outside. Yeah. And it's very grounding. We need more outside time. We do. We do for sure. So can you tell us about your music therapy journey? Sure. Um, so I started teaching piano when I was very young. I was only 13, and I chose to teach every day after school throughout high school. I just loved working with um, music and 
and kids. So I knew I wanted to do something like that. But one of those, the students I had, um, my first students had Down syndrome and his parents would say to me how it was uh, affecting other areas of his life to be behind, be behind the piano with me every week. So I was like, oh, I, I, I really think this is something. I, I, I thought I was making up my own career, combining psych and music and I didn't know music therapy was already well established as a profession. And I was so excited um, to realize that um, halfway through high school that it was a career that I could choose. Um, at the time, all my high school teachers told my parents, I shouldn't do it. Don't be let her become a music therapist. She will not have any work. Oh, <laughs> my heart. Um, yeah, so that's, I guess, where New Hampshire was at that time. And I think we've come a long way. Um, but so I went to Pennsylvania for school. Um, and then I came back here to um, to work as a music therapist. I, I did my internship um, at Shriners in Boston, the Auburn Hospital for Children. Um, and it was amazing. Um, but then I really wanted to start serving New Hampshire. Um, New Hampshire was very underserved as far as music therapy services um, and so in 2010, I started my own private practice, um, and I'm still doing that today. Um, it has, Since 2014, we've, I've called it um, Granite State Music Therapy, um, and I started working with amazing contractors that helped me serve um, because my wait list was just too long, and so I didn't want those individuals to wait, and now they don't have to wait for me to be available. I, we have um, several qualified um, options for them um, to get the services now. What was it like expanding beyond yourself? Um, so in 2013, I had, so after three years in my private practice, I was working full time and it was amazing. And then in 2013, I had my first child. And then by 2014, my wait list was too long because I wasn't providing as many direct care hours. Um, and so that's why I, I was like, I got to get them services. They're, they're deserving of these services now and shouldn't have to wait for me to be more available. So that's why I started um, working with contractors. And then once I started filling up contractors with the work that they wanted, it felt so good to be able to provide that work. Um, because I know for me, I had to hustle and fight to get into a lot of places, do a lot of advocacy, um, you know, I'd hear a lot of, oh, music therapy, that sounds nice. Or, oh, I need that. I've had a hard day. And so it's a lot of educating. Um, and I'm so happy to be able to provide work to qualified music therapists. Um, I, I think I lost your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, you. that was great. Um, thank you for paving the way for those of us in little old New Hampshire making our way through. Um, so... What was your experience with relinquishing some of that control, giving away some of those clients or not giving away, but providing them for contractors? So I work really hard on the interview side of things. The reference references play a big role. I, I want to make sure who I'm sending out into homes, into schools, 
is going to be doing quality services um, for our, our clients. Um, so I feel that it's really scary to because I have no control over the services, the way they're provided, but I felt like I, I always do my due diligence at the beginning before um, offering clients. So I feel because I choose qualified professionals that I, I think that makes it a little more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Sometimes yeah. uh, it's hard at the beginning, especially when you have that wait list to, to sp- take the time to make sure that they are set up down the road instead of just getting it all done. Right yeah. Away. Oh no, that I do have to, um, slow myself down often because I get phone calls and they want the services and they want them to start tomorrow. And then I, I get so excited to get them their services, right? That these clients. And so I have to slow myself down. Oh, who would be a, a, the best fit, right? Who likes working with this population and um, who is in that area that is more able to serve that location. Um, I don't know if I answered your question. (laughs) (laughs) Anything you say, I'm a firm believer when I do these interviews that whatever is said is what the listeners need to hear. Okay. So even if you're completely (laughs) on a different tangent, that's fine with me. Someone will resonate with it. Okay. So if people are calling you now, what has been your experience with the evolution of having to fight really hard for advocacy and get those stereotypical answers versus people contacting you now? Um, so it's wonderful. It's it's very um, cyclical. So January, there's a big influx. Um, the new year brings a fresh start for a lot of people, and they they're they're ready to move forward with services that maybe they couldn't um, last year. Um, and then that actually the beginning of summer, so June, when the school year ends, we get a, a lot of calls, and then actually the start of school year as well. So I I kind of anticipate. Um, January, June, and August, September to be um, a lot of phone time, a lot of uh, correspondence through email, um, because there are so many people, um, you know, looking for these services. I I will say it is very different and wonderful, but it it still has its challenges, because I still have to advocate. for example, we were featured on um, New Hampshire Chronicle, and it they air air that on the news, um, like a, as a rerun. And so I'll get all these phone calls. Oh, I saw you! It sounds great. How can I get started? But then we still have to teach a lot of what we do. Um, it, it, it can't just be. I like music. I need music therapy, right? Um, so it, I'm still advocating, even when people are reaching out to me, um, but just not as much. Um, I and I still do call um, and talk to people who don't know what music therapy is, whether it's a special ed director um, or um, a special education teacher or a director at a rehab hospital. New Hampshire's still a little behind. Like if you go out to the mid-Atlantic region, I feel like they're everywhere and someone at least has heard of it, knows someone who's had it. Um, New Hampshire, we're not quite there yet. What are some of your advocacy and pitching tips then for people who are also trying to get into different (sighs) locations? Yeah, I feel like you really have to read the person well. So I actually feel like I take a lot of my therapy skills 
into my advocacy skills because depending on who you're talking to, they need to hear something different, right? Um, so maybe they need to hear that it's there. There is a way to pay for it, or if they and if they don't hear that upfront, then they're not going to really listen, right? Um, or you know, how can we solve? some problems or get to goals quicker. They, they want to hear the, the, the benefits of signing up with us right away. Um, not necessarily the, how does it work? Right. Um, but then I do have, um, like some psychiatrists that I met with recently really want to talk about, well, music and, and autism and why it, how it affects the brain so differently. Um, than other stimulus, right? Music is incredible tool we have. Um, and so it really, you gotta tailor it to who you're talking to. I feel like that's that's my my, my main tip. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear more about these psychiatrists. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I keep getting reached out to because a, a lot of times they can provide like a prescription for music therapy. Um, and I've had clients who have successfully got a script from their psychiatrist um, to have music therapy and their insurance paid like a full year in advance. Oh, cool. That is a really, really big deal um, as far as music therapy services are, are concerned um, because it's kind of hard to get insurance to pay right now. Um, so when you have like a, a, even a PCP has written a script and gotten services covered for the clients, um, which is, is pretty neat. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a good tip too, for anyone looking for ways to finance. Yeah. Yes. Sessions. Yep. I, I am a firm believer that we can always find somewhere, somehow, some form of help funding wise. Um, you just got to, think outside the box, I guess, for now, for now. <laughs> yeah, good for you, because a lot of people are really intimidated by the time and effort it takes to find those. Do you have mm -hmm. any other um, creative ways that you have found funding for clients? Um, so I, I guess I direct them to grants often. Um, obviously, the area service agencies, as far as New Hampshire is concerned, they're a really good start for um the, the school-aged kids, the younger kids, um, older adults. Um, we usually get into like rehab hospitals and day programs under like the activities or um, like under that realm, but it's still music therapy. It's just, you gotta call it something a little different as far as funding, right? Um, like we're even in some school districts on IEPs um, for individuals, but then for their groups, it's not um, on IEPs for groups, it's under their enrichment funding. Um, so there there really are so many different avenues um, as, as long as you know you're still doing your job, right? Doesn't matter where the money's coming from, I guess. Yeah, well said, well said. So let's take a step back. What initially inspired you to start your practice versus um, trying to create a position in a one location or mm. you know one of the many other avenues that music therapists take? So um, at this time that I started um, my practice, I also at the exact same time started um, as the director of music therapy at Concord Community Music School, which is 
um, a really nice um, community music school in New Hampshire. And I did them both at the same time because I already had people asking and talking to me um, through word of mouth um, about music therapy. So needless to say, I did both. And I just felt that I kept getting calls from farther and farther away from the music school. And I wanted them, those clients to also be served. Um, for example, like we have um, Coas County, it's, it's all the way on the tip top of New Hampshire, um, partly borders um, Canada, right? The services are few and far between because the people are so far apart. Um, so I decided that I did not want to continue as a director and grow that one program in that one town. I wanted to serve all of New Hampshire. Um, and, and so I, I, that's why I actually chose my, my business name, Granite State Music Therapy, because I wanted to serve all areas, um, especially those that aren't currently getting services, because they're just as deserving, even though they're far away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good for you. That's um, quite an undertaking. Yeah, I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> slowly but surely, we're getting out there. We're the Monadnock region. Um, I'm I'm getting more and more services provided out there, and that has been very underserved. Um, so that's exciting. Um, yeah. So what is what's your advice for other people also navigating contracts all over the place where you don't have a hub for them to yeah. meet and uh, the, the community is a little more maybe virtual, maybe digital you know, emails instead of having a meeting once a week or whatever? Right. So do you do you mean with my my clients or with the people that I contract with? I guess both. Yeah. Okay, so with the my clients, I feel like I have to, and this is also because I have my three young kids with me often. Um, most days I have the younger two because they're not in school full-time yet. Um, so email is huge as far as corresponding with my clients because getting on the phone sometimes is a, is a lot harder for me than it, sh than it should be. Um, because someone is going to be screaming or yelling in the background. <laughs> um, so e email is huge. And I, I really try to touch base um, at least uh, monthly with all my clients just to make sure that everybody's getting what they need and that we're all on the same page. Um, but as far as keeping connected with my contractors, I'm still working on what's the right um, balance for us. Um, cause if it were up to me, I'd like to meet all of us more often, but I don't, I can't make it obligated. Right. Um, and I don't want people to feel pressured if they don't want to make the trek to go and listen to someone speak and just connect in that way. So I still try and keep tabs as far as, um, email, um, or phone, um, but not as many meeting as, as I would like. Um, I think I'm, I'm up to like a couple a year where I'd like it maybe at least four a year. So then we can sit and see each other and, and just, you know, support each other, see how everybody's doing. Um, I think that's hard not having a center um, feeling like you have colleagues that you can, you know, lean on. Um, I like face-to-face -face better um, for stuff like that, but we make, we make it work. I, I feel like I try and be as available as I'm needed um, 
for for people that I contract with. Yeah, yeah, because it can be very isolating to be that traveling music therapist. But it's also great that you have. It's not just you and one other person or even three mm-hmm. people. Like you have a few different people working all in this more rural state uh, and you are building these ways for them to support each other. Yeah, that's I great. Hope, hope so. <laughs> yeah, very admirable. Very admirable. So since you are doing all these emails and like you're in this more administrative role now, What's it like balancing that and client work? Mm-hmm. Um, so I I am out of the house with clients only two days a week. Um, and then after school, I'm five days a week I'm with clients. Um, so really, I'm, I think I have a really nice balance. I, I have Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday during the day where it's more admin. And then the rest of the five days, I, I'm with clients. Um, I do feel like I, I have a, a school, two schools that I'm, I'm in and I'm in there all day and it makes it hard when I have 10 phone calls with, within that span and I can't get back to them until the next day. I think that's uncomfortable. Um, but I feel that it's really a good balance for me and where my family is right now to have me home a little more, um, because I can do emails, you know, when the kids are around, um, and still feel present, um, with, uh, my clients, my contractors and my family at the same time. Um, so I feel like it's a really nice balance. Um, for a while I wasn't doing as much therapy, um, and I really missed it, um, because, that's why I got into music therapy was to provide those services. Um, I never expected to have my business the way I have it, where I am doing so much admin, but now I'm, I'm really happy with the balance that I have right now. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm doing both, um, as much as I I can. And it's wonderful. Good for you. Good for you. So, um, a while ago, someone, I think in Music Therapists Unite, asked for advice for seeing clients in their home. Yeah. Uh, so you do that. So what can yeah. you, what advice can you give? Oh, gosh. So you need to have, I think, a separate entrance so they're not coming in your front door. I think having a separate entrance makes it much more um comfortable and less confusing for everybody involved. Um, I, I think having set boundaries is, is a good thing too. Um, it's, you know, you can't go up to my second floor and, and go hang out in that playroom. Um, that's, you know, that's where my family's bedrooms are. And so just setting those boundaries, not just, um, with the clients, but with, my family, because quite often my kids will want to invite the kids up to their room. (laughs) Um, So just setting boundaries. um, And it has definitely evolved and changed over the years. Um, Like at my old home, I had people come in to my, my, it was a room that you would walk into. So my husband would come home and there'd be people in the waiting room. That was also my waiting room. And so that wasn't the most comfortable um, for him. We didn't have a door from the waiting room to the kitchen either. So he'd be trying to get dinner while I'm with a client and then like the family's 
able to like just watch him. <laughs> um, so I feel like you try things on, right? Because we quickly learned, all right, well, I need to at least put a curtain here and, you know, so they can't see straight in while he's trying to have his dinner. Um, you, you've just, you find, you try things on and find what works best for you um, and really stick to those boundaries. If there's ever anything that feels uncomfortable, then it needs to go into your policies, right? Um, so it doesn't happen and you don't have to necessarily talk about it. It's just, this is a rule and we don't do that. Or this is a rule, we do do this, right? Um, yeah, I think you learn by, I at least I learned by trying everything on different ways of having people at my house. Yeah. Having the house clean, um, I, I often try and have the first floor clean. That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> that is a challenge um, with three kids and a dog making a mess all the time. Um, but I think, you know, the people I work with at least are families with kids. So I hope that they are a little understanding if things aren't completely tidy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that was all really good advice. And what really resonated with me was the policies that it's it's yeah. already there. It's already in place. You can reference it if needed, but they know yeah. those things up front. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right, let's shift gears a little bit because I also got a listener question a while back about navigating maternity leave and pregnancy and mm -hmm. having kids and doing all that as a music therapist. So you have mm -hmm. this unique situation because you are running your own business and you also have three young kids. Mm -hmm. So yeah, give us all of that. So um, every I took so I've taken three maternity leaves and they were all very different. Um, my first one, I did not have anybody provide like substitution services for my clients. And I, I, in hindsight, I wish I had, um, because I felt really pressure to go back sooner because they were just waiting. Right. How long did you take? Um, for that, I think it was just six weeks. Wow. Um, and so I ideally would have taken longer, but I thought, oh, I'm not going back full time, so they shouldn't have to wait. I'm capable. But it was it was a lot on my family at the time because um, my little one was a very hard baby. She was a hard baby for the first nine months. <laughs> um, so it was a lot, I think, for everybody involved. Um, but I just felt this this obligation. Um, I wanted to, those, those services to be provided. So I suggest if you can get a substitute, um, and the clients do want a substitute that when you're on maternity leave, that's a good thing to have. Um, so, cause so that's what I learned from my first one for sure. Um, also you gotta be kind to yourself, give yourself time. Those babies are not little for long and you, you need that time with them just as much as they need that time with you. Um, and be okay with that. Um, even if you don't have someone who's providing the services that you normally would be, be okay with them, them waiting and just be kinder to yourself in that regard. Um, what else? I, I also saved a lot of money before each maternity leave because if I'm not working and providing services, I don't have an income. Um, so, so knowing that 
because I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not salaried, right? Um, I provide a service and then I get the payment. Um, so if I don't provide it, I mean, I don't get paid on holidays, right? Um, so why would I get paid on maternity leave? So I, I definitely suggest saving an, a certain amount of money. Um, so you're comfortable living without uh, an income for a little while. Um, that was hard to navigate, I think. Um, and what else? I don't know. I think those are my two main suggestions as far as um, maternity leave during during this. Um, uh, also, I guess the last thing I would suggest, things happen. Uh, my third baby got very sick and was hospitalized twice before she was even four months old. And so I... I pushed not once, but twice I pushed my maternity leave back because myself and my baby needed time to recover because um, we were definitely set back each time she was hospitalized and it felt like we had to start over again. Um, so again, just doing what feels like your family needs is, is really hard to give yourself permission, but you need to do that when you're on maternity leave. Um, no matter what happens, you even if you're like, Oh gosh, I was going to go back in three months. I'm not make it four months, make it five months, whatever your family needs. Um, and be okay with that. Give yourself permission. <laughs> yeah. Spoken from a very maternal place. That's so lovely. <laughs> so as your kids have grown and as your business is also growing, um, how have you navigated and balanced making your family a priority and also reaching those basically the Canadian places of New Hampshire and also yeah. trying to have this community of your subcontractors and all that stuff. So I guess for me, it's been a lot. Once my third child came, I really had to take a step back and stop driving as much as they was because I really like those face-to-face -face meetings when I'm talking to clients. And sometimes I'd be driving over an hour one way um, just to have that face-to-face. -face. So I guess um, learning to be okay with not doing things exactly how I would want to um, because a phone call is sufficient for, for most conversations. Um, so I, I just... I love that FaceTime, that direct FaceTime. So, but learning to just be like, no, phone call is good. We can do this on phone. Um, so then I'm not taking as much time from my family. Um, it, I've really had to, again, set boundaries. Um, I don't typically get on the phone after seven at night. Um, I That's a hard rule that I try and have so I can have that bedtime with my kids. Um, but once they're in bed, that's not to say I don't pop on to the computer and work some more. Um, I forget your question. Just balancing. Yeah, yeah all it, of it. It, it. it changes all the time. It just ebbs and flows all the time. You learn, um, I think, kind of quickly what works best for your business, what works best for you, and what works best for your family. And you need to be able to adapt and change, um, as well, because all those changes need to change, right? Um, those needs change, um, often. Yeah. I love that answer because it's acknowledging that there is no hard and fast answer. Mm -hmm. Um, and what another great example of how to use our therapeutic skills in our life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Let's see. What has been one of, if you're comfortable sharing, one of your biggest challenges over the course mm. of that? And then maybe how did how did you navigate it and remind yourself to adapt to that challenge? Um, as far as having family and work balance? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess I can't not acknowledge that I've had some health issues um, the past couple of years, um, specifically this past year, where I didn't even feel comfortable to make a phone call some days because of debilitating brain fog and fatigue from, from a couple of my diseases and um, that are now better managed. And I can make those phone calls more often now. Um, but gosh, learning that my family needed me more than my clients. That was really hard. Um, really hard for me. I mean, it sounds so basic saying it out loud. Of course, your family needs you more than your clients need you. But you, you get into this line of work to be able to serve and to, to care for others and to, to help them grow and, and have a higher quality of life. Um, so it was very hard for me. And I, it took me, I got really sick to realize um, that I, I really needed to be okay with letting some things go business-wise for now, for now, because it's not forever. I, I won't always be so sick and my kids won't always be this little, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so just, uh, I guess, learning that and being okay with less, <laughs> giving less. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, it, like even just a common cold, it's just life telling you like you need to take a break and you need to mm-hmm. you know, take some time. But also what I thought when you said that, of, of course, your family needs you know, more. But in my brain, I was thinking, well, if you're a family of five and you're seeing 50 to 100 clients a week, those 50 to 100 clients seem much more substantial in their needs than your family. But you're totally right in that realization that they need you more where those 50 to 100 other people can have support from someone else. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, totally. Thank you for sharing that insight. That was really beautiful. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add before we move into rapid fire? Um can I just say that I'm so blessed and grateful to have the work that I have. I really am so happy that I chose to be a music therapist and to use music the way I do. I'm very happy about that. I actually back to make your original comment about uh, high school and the teachers saying she won't have work. Um, One of the episodes that I released recently, the person said, I think it was um, Chris Millett. I think he said, I've never not had work as a music therapist. And I was like, that needs to be just put out into the ethers. Everyone needs to hear that and know that it's possible. It is. That's not a message we get a lot. No, no. But we have there's so many people we can serve. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's no shortage. Mm-mm. I That also makes me think of, I went to a CMTE and they were talking about, um, you know, a harp therapist or just like a community musician or someone going to a hospital or um, a senior living center to play and how there's no shortage of clients. So even though we offer something different, it doesn't mean that they can't continue to offer what they do best. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and you're right. We are blessed. We are very blessed to do what we do. 
Awesome. All right. Are you ready for the rapid fire questions? Sure. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. <laughs> Coffee. Nice one. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Good for you. 4, 4 a.m. Sounds good. 4 a.m. Is that oh, natural yeah. or did you have to train yourself? Um, both. <laughs> That's funny. Did they, Did your kids train you? Um, so I need to get up before them. So, cause there's a lot of needs right away when they're all up. So I get up before them. So needs are met before they're even needed. <laughs> wow. Good for you. Good for yeah. you. Something you would tell your younger self. Have more fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Just have more fun. Relax. Have more fun. Your music therapy elevator speech. Oh, gosh. It depends on who I'm talking to. <laughs> Whatever comes to mind. Um, we, as a music therapist, I get to use music to help um, facilitate growth and development on non-musical goals, um, speech and communication or social emotional goals. Um, just get to use music as my tool. I like that. Your favorite self-care practice? Mm. Exercising. Oh. What's your favorite mm. modality to exercise? Um, it, it's running and um, hot yoga. That's a good yeah. combination. Yes, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> Work, works for me. I like running because it gets me outside. Um, and I like the yoga because it connects me with people um, in a different way. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Oh, cause I get to go where there's a bunch of other people doing the same thing I'm doing. And the instructor, you know, is there to support everyone and we're all there working and ha very hard. Um, and it's just a really nice community, um, in that way. And you don't have to talk during class, but you can talk before and after. And it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I need to find a yoga studio. It's been a while since I've been in a studio to do yoga. but It's so different than at home. Mm -hmm. um, it really ele has elevated um, how I practice. Yeah, 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 for sure. Something that is currently adding value to your life. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's a hard question. I feel like... I'm so grateful for everything I have right now. Um, it's hard to pinpoint one thing. <laughs> then gratitude it is. <laughs> That's a great place to be. Your favorite song or intervention to use in a session? Um, if you want to sing out, sing out by Cat Stevens. I use it a lot um, because I can change it. Um, like he says, if you want to say yes, say yes. If you want to say no, say no. I really like providing choices for my clients because they don't get enough choices in their day to day typically. Um, so I, I like I like that song because of that. Yeah. Awesome. That'll be linked in the show notes. Cool. And lastly, where can people find you and connect with you? Sure. You can go to um, granitestatemusictherapy.com. Or you can email me at granitestatemusictherapy at gmail.com. 
I'd be more than happy to speak with anybody about anything related to music therapy or business and family. And I'm here, happy to talk. Awesome. Thank you so much for making the time to talk with me. And the listeners don't know this, but we troubleshot a lot of technical stuff before we started recording. So thank you for working with me to make that happen. Of course. Of course. Thanks for providing such a wonderful resource to music therapists. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I, I enjoy just, it. So it's, it's, it's needed for oh. sure, right? <laughs> well, for us, those of us who are in the car all the time, um, yeah, this is the best way I could think to provide provide that. Awesome. Yeah, so thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Trisha. Have a good rest of your day. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I hope you learned something. I know I did, and I really appreciate Elizabeth's candidness and um, openness and honesty throughout that conversation. I think that there are lots of tidbits in there to help some of the maybe less discussed questions that appear on Music Therapists Unite or related platforms, which is why I asked about her having clients in her home, maternity leave, those kinds of things that are more specific topics to an individual experience, but still we're all looking for support in those kinds of things. So thank you so much to Elizabeth. Thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. If you or someone you know is interested in being on the podcast, please send an email to feedback at musictherapychronicles.com. The show isn't possible without our guests um, because it is an interview-based podcast. So I firmly believe that everyone has something to offer, whether you're a student, a young professional, a seasoned professional, um, you're doing a, a research project, or you're doing legitimate research that will be published someday. I'd love to be able to highlight it on the show and share what's going on out there, what music therapists are experiencing and accomplishing and learning, and how we can continue to inspire and teach each other through a less formal setting as this. So if there's someone who you really want to hear from, let us know by shooting us an email and I will reach out to that person. And if you have something you want to share, even a part of a half an idea that you would like to share, please reach out to us because I'd love to meet you, talk with you, share your insights with the rest of the community. Again, if you are looking for a way to support the podcast, please consider becoming a patron over on patreon.com. Uh, patrons have the exclusive opportunity to ask guest questions. So if there's something you really want to ask someone, that's your opportunity to do it. Also, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and following us on social media. We are at Music Therapy Chronicles on all the platforms. Thank you again for tuning into this week's episode. I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll see you in the next one. Mm -hmm.